stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Sometimes it seems like we, we get these headlines from time to time. And, and people are, are never quite sure how excited to be about these headlines. Uh, you know, potential breakthrough when it comes to, to treating cancer. But these are the kinds of stories I, I think we all want to hear. But is it, is it just hype? Now, there is a lot of hope in, in the concept of immunotherapy. And there's some important new research published today in Nature Medicine uh, about what this approach can accomplish. For example, here's a story in the L.A. Times. The all-hands effort to harness the powers of the immune system to fight cancer. Scientists have reported that a new approach has eliminated all evidence of advanced stage breast cancer in a 49-year-old woman who had run out of treatment options. The patient's complete durable cancer regression followed a single infusion of her own immune cells, which were painstakingly chosen for their ability to recognize and fight her tumors, and then expanded into an army of nearly 100 billion identical cells. More than three years later, the patient, Judy Perkins, is not only alive, but seemingly cancer-free, according to this report published today in the journal Nature Medicine. Uh, Now, our next guest was not directly involved in the research, but did write an accompanying commentary that appears with the study uh, in Nature Medicine. Uh, Laszlo Radvani is uh, president and scientific director with the Ontario Institute for Cancer Research. Uh, Dr. uh, Radvani, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to uh, to join you. Well, first of all, and, and help us understand what we're talking about here when we talk about immunotherapy, the use of immune cells to target cancer. So uh, this is a, a, a really exciting new phase or area of cancer research and cancer therapy that really has made a huge blast, so to speak, recently um, in, in oncology, is that it's harnessing the patient's immune system to fight his or her own cancer. We've known that the immune system can recognize and react against cancer for many, many years, but we just didn't have the tools, the technologies, and the approaches to be able to really, uh, you know, uh, get it going and to make it happen in, in terms of a therapy. And it's only under after many decades of basic research, understanding the immune system and many false starts that, you know, we finally come to really uh, uh, fruition in terms of um, being able to use what are called immunomodulators that activate uh, the, the sort of immune cells in your body to fight cancer. And also, as this report that you just mentioned in Nature Medicine, we now have technologies that are able to actually isolate these immune cells from the patient's own tumors and actually grow them um, under sort of good manufacturing conditions uh, in the lab and then grow them to very high numbers and then reinfuse them back into patients so that they can then go and eradicate the tumor. So we have now an armamentarium of different approaches to sort of harness the a patient's own ability to mount an immune response against their own cancer. So the immune cells on their own, uh, if, if, if left to their own devices, are not sufficient to, to do this, right? Correct. So this is this is the sort of give and take in the battle that goes on in our body between cancer and our immune system. It's this back and forth tug of war where the immune system has an ability to recognize early tumors and fight off the tumors. And perhaps even you reach an equilibrium, equilibrium point where the immune system and the tumor are sort of like 
fighting it out and, and the tumor doesn't win and the immune system doesn't win. But of course, what happens is why people die of cancer and they get metastatic advanced cancers that the cancer wins. And the cancer mounts a number of different so-called immunosuppressive mechanisms that just shut the immune uh, system down, and especially these major players that kill cancer cells called our T lymphocytes or our killer T cells that can penetrate into tumors but then can get shut down. And the tumor has find, found various ways to shut this, uh, 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 you know, this, this mechanism down. But now through research in cancer immunotherapy and many years of basic research, we know a lot of what are the pathways that the, that the tumor uses to shut the immune cells down. And we can now have designed drugs to be able to target these pathways and sort of wake up this this immune response that's being sort of, you know, trampled on and shut down uh, by the tumor, in addition to isolating immune cells from tumors and then expanding them outside the patient and then reinfusing them too as well. So that, as I said before, there's various avenues now that we can sort of overcome this immune suppression of the tumor and, 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 and fight off the tumor and beat the tumor. You write, uh, quote, we are now at the cusp of a major revolution of finally realizing the elusive goal of being able to target the plethora of mutations in cancer through immunotherapy. So how unprecedented, how significant is this breakthrough? So we've known for many years, and this is, again, the revolution in molecular biology that occurred in 1970 when the first so-called oncogenes were discovered, such as the so-called RAS oncogene. We knew that there are, you know, mutations that drive cancer growth. But we also began to find out that, that you know, tumors are very genetically unstable. Not only do they have mutations on so-called driver genes that drive the growth and the survival of the cancer, and they're actually required for the growth and the survival of the cancer cells, but because of the genetic instability and gene, genetic damage in tumors, tumors carry a whole plethora of what are called passenger mutations. So these are mutations littered all over the genome, all over your genes, but they don't necessarily are important for the for, for keeping the tumor cells alive, but nevertheless, they code for proteins that are abnormal. And these abnormal proteins are actually, can be recognized by the immune system. And, and, and we now realize that these mutations can be recognized by especially these T lymphocytes. And then you can then actually um, see these responses occurring naturally in patients um, through, you know, through looking and tracking T cells in patients, but also now through immunotherapy, such as the one published by the National Cancer Institute group in Bethesda in, in this breast cancer patients, we're now able to actually isolate and harness and expand these T cells that are specific for these mutations and then, then reinfuse them so they can attack specifically these mutations. And the other, the other important point is that um, because cancers are mutated, what happens is that these uh, the immune system sees these uh, genes or these products of these genes as foreign, not as sort of self proteins or self genes. And this is a major problem in cancer because for many years we tried to attack tumors by uh, vaccinating patients or doing cell therapies targeting what are called overexpressed tumor antigens. These are sort of natural proteins that are expressed in our natural tissues, but for some of the reason get overexpressed at high levels in cancer. And although we mount immune responses against these sort of overexpressed self antigens or self proteins, they're not strong enough in order to get rid of the tumor. And so with the discovery of the fact that, you know, that the immune system can, reg it can recognize these mutations 
these abnormal proteins that are not self, the, we found that the immune system can actually activate much stronger responses against these mutation-derived uh, 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 elements. And so by doing that, we were able to mount a much stronger immune response against the cancer. And so this is exactly what this, what this amazing study has done. They were able to take a breast cancer patient dying of a very refractory disease, which is hormone-responsive breast cancer. It's one of the most treatable diseases um, with patients living a long, long period of time after primary surgery um, using drugs such as tamoxifen and other anti-hormone drugs. But then invariably many patients relapse and, they, and the tumors recur and they become resistant to this anti-hormone therapy. And paradoxically, this highly treatable tumor type becomes highly refractory, one of the worst type of tumors to treat with patients you know, dying very, very soon and very few treatment options left. And so when the amazing thing about this study is that we now have a handle on being able to identify mutations that are able to be recognized by the immune system and they're able to capitalize on this as a new form of immunotherapy for this highly, highly untreatable uh, you know, disease at this, at this stage. Right. And, and that's a, a, a big factor because there are immunotherapy treatments out there, um, but, but for a lot of people, they, they, they don't necessarily work. Exactly. And of course, this is another major area of, you know, cancer immunology research and immunotherapy research is to trying to understand why some patients respond to specific types of immunotherapy and why others don't um, through what are called biomarker research by, you know, probing into the patient's tumors by taking samples of the patient's tumors or taking samples of the patient's blood and also tracking uh, early on during immunotherapy what are the changes in the body we're invoking in the patient and are these predictive of whether the patient will respond to the therapy or not so this is a very huge uh, still unanswered area of immunotherapy trying to figure out why some patients respond and why some patients don't and predicting those patients that respond and and so we're now have a huge bunch of technologies in genomics and proteomics etc where we're now bringing together um and through um uh, collecting huge data sets from thousands of patients uh, with, with multi-parameter, multi-parameter data on the patient's tumor, in the blood, et cetera, we'll be able to get to a point using big data and machine learning and artificial intelligence where we'll be able to bring all these different disparate data together and actually come up with predictive algorithms that will actually will be quite accurate, in fact, in predicting which patients will respond to a specific type of therapy at a point in time, depending on the nature of the tumor, the state of the tumor, and the state of the patient, etc. So going forward, and I suppose the next step is going to be to, to see if this can be, be replicated in, in other patients. I mean, is that, is that the immediate next step? Yeah, so, so this form of breast cancer that the National, Institute, the National Cancer Institute uh, treated um, again, as I stated, is, is what is called ER-positive or hormone-positive uh, breast cancer, which becomes highly refractory to therapy when it metastasizes and recurs after many years. Um, and it's traditionally not a highly mutated form of cancer, so um, there are more mutated forms of cancer that have many more mutations, such as melanoma, which is induced you know, by UV damage in the skin, mm-hmm. um, lung cancer, that's induced from smoking and the carcinogens of smoking. These represent sort of more, more mutated forms of, of, of cancer. 
And recent data and the excitement in the clinic has shown with immunotherapies that these are much more reactive to immunotherapies because they have more mutations and they have more sort of these T cells that are recognizing these higher numbers of mutations. And it's also sort of a probability in the fact that more mutations, the more chance you have the immune system of recognizing these mutations as sort of an actionable type of thing. So in tumors such as this hormone response to breast cancer, it was traditionally thought that since they have much lower numbers of mutations, that they're not going to respond to, to immunotherapy. And especially, you know, uh, being able to isolate and detect these mutation-specific uh, T-cells. But what, what the National Cancer Institute group has shown is that they proved this sort of dogma or this thought wrong. And that, in fact, they were able to uh, isolate enough of these mutation-specific T-cells, identify what these mutations were, what these T-cells reacted to, and then coax the system to specifically expand uh, out of the body of the patient these mutation-reactive T-cells and then reinfuse them. So now the question now becomes, is this just an N of 1? Can we repeat this with more patients? Um, and we can, can we repeat it with other forms of cancer that have been traditionally thought to be not amenable to this type of um, you know, neoepitope or neoantigen or mutation-specific T-cell therapy, including prostate cancer, for example, which is driven by hormones as well, in this case, androgens as opposed to estrogens. So, so it really opens the door to, to really exploring further whether this, uh, this T-cell therapy against mutations can be repeated in other similar breast cancer patients that are uh, refractory and are dying from their disease and save their lives. But in addition, I think what the exciting area or the exciting prospect is, is whether we can do this with prostate cancer now, for prostate cancer patients, for the thousands of prostate cancer patients out there that, are, um, that, that uh, of course, invariably also relapse and die of their disease. Uh, so very significant indeed. Uh, Dr. Radvani, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank right, you very care. much. Uh, Dr. Lazo Radvani, President and Scientific Director with the Ontario Institute for Cancer Research. So wrote this, uh, wrote this accompanying uh, commentary in Nature Medicine that appears today along with this study. So, yeah, potentially very significant. Uh, now, as The Guardian breaks it down, basically you're dealing with five steps here. So the first step is the doctors would take a biopsy of, of the tumor. Uh, the immune cells that have infiltrated that tumor tissue are then extracted from the biopsy and then grown in the lab, as he said, into 100 billion of them. You then do some gene sequencing of the tumor tissue to reveal the main mutations that characterize it. The immune cells from the tumor are screened to find those that target those specific mutations. And then those immune cells are infused back into the patient. And basically, they go to work. So it seems rel- you know, rather simple and elegant. It's difficult in practice, but it, it was accomplished here. It was a three-year process. But at least the published results in this case speak for themselves. Can they be replicated in other patients and with other cancers? Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.